we've experienced this very dynamic change over the last few years and you know a lot of external shocks and i think in in an environment like that there is a responsibility of leadership to you know not only have a, a duty of care and take care and protect employees but to create that environment in which people can thrive where people feel safe where people can be curious and people can learn and i think leadership has a really important responsibility to enable that environment welcome to the hr lnd podcast with your host nick day ceo and founder of jga recruitment specialist hr recruiters tuning into the hr lnd podcast will help you to discover strategic growth concepts leadership development strategies, and the values and behaviours that drive organisational change and success. Together, let's empower our workforces, diversify our thinking and achieve significant HR success. Hello and welcome back to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day. I'm CEO of JGA Recruitment Group, specialist HR recruiters. And today, we're going to talk about a new approach to continuous learning because today I'm joined by Gustav Nordback who is CEO of Headspring Executive and he is driven by a belief that education can indeed change lives for good. Now he has enjoyed a 15-year career in the learning and development sector and having previously worked for Rosetta Stone where he successfully helped scale the business across Europe and Latin America and where he helped to make it the UK's biggest online language learning business. He is now CEO of Headspring Executive, which is a joint venture between the Financial Times and IE Business School, which has been founded on the principle that executive development needs to be collaborative, relevant, and of course, measurable. Now, Gustav believes it's time for businesses to take a new approach to continuous learning, moving away from the annual training and growth mindset methodology and into facilitator learning, helping individuals and, of course, the businesses they work for to grow towards their true potential. Now, let's be honest, everyone who listens to this show, you know the last two years have demonstrated the sheer unpredictability of the business landscape. To successfully transverse the challenges that business leadership brings at the moment, it's absolutely essential that our future leaders have the tools they need to not just grow, but to thrive. So let's find out exactly how we can achieve that as I welcome today's guest, Gustav Nordback, to the HR L&D podcast. How are you feeling today, Gustav? Awesome. Great to be on your show, Nick. Great to have you here. Great to have you. Lots to get through today in the world of continuous learning. Before we get started into that world, I want to ask you one question I ask all my guests, which is this. What do the words human resources mean to you? So to me, human resources, I think, really represents what is the most important asset of all organizations and companies, uh, the people. And if you look at you know human resources as a function, I think it really embodies all the matters that relate to be it hiring, nurturing, developing, managing all the people. And the responsibility, the supreme responsibility that human resources have in actually helping people and allowing people to achieve their full potential. And in its extension, really allowing organizations to thrive. It's powerful. And I think specifically the word human in human resources is so powerful because it's a reminder of how important it is to meet people in a human way 
and to really nurture the people in the organizations and help them feel good about being in work. Great response. We know, of course, that I personally believe that HR is very closely aligned to L&D, which is why I've called, of course, called this the HR&D podcast. And we're going to talk a lot about L&D today. But what I'd love to do, if we can, is just set a bit of a foundation for this interview and the questions that are going to follow. For my listeners, just if you could just provide a little bit of um, a background, I guess, to who Headspring are and what at the moment you are really trying to trying to achieve through the business. Headspring is a learning and development partner for organizations and, and, and companies. And, and what we do is we help our partners identify what their true learning needs are. And as part of that, go through a comprehensive you know, discovery process. And together, uh, we co-create uh, learning journeys and learning experiences to really help solve those bigger challenges, transformational challenges that uh, that I think all organizations face today. Fantastic. And we know there's been a significant amount of change over the last couple of years. The pandemic has changed the way that we work and it's Absolutely. rapidly advanced uh, the world in many different ways as well. How is leadership different now compared to how it was pre-pandemic or, or a couple of years ago? So I think, uh, and I'm actually going to go back to the word human in this case, I think that leadership is and needs to be much more human. I think, you know, there are many, many trends uh, that are coming together. I mean, we've we've experienced this very dynamic change uh, over the last few years and, uh, you know, a lot of external shocks. And I think in, in an environment like that, there is a responsibility of leadership to, you know, not only have a, a duty of care, and take care and protect employees, but to create that environment in which people can thrive, where people feel safe, where people can be curious and people can learn. And I think leadership has a really important responsibility to enable that environment. And I think that's really something that over the last couple of years, it's really been emphasized. I think it's always been there, but uh, there has definitely, uh, I think we see that imperative to change. Yeah, no, completely agree. I know that obviously Headspring as well worked with a lot of executive level training, which is great because the people that listen to this show predominantly are HR directors, or development directors and managers. But interestingly, I've seen that a lot of the online hybrid learning models for business at the moment, we're trying to aspire kind of a growth mindset. From your perspective, perhaps they need to be updated a little bit. I know that in a lot of business at the moment, they're not probably doing enough to really support employee growth. So with that in mind, what are the things that the leaders that listen to this show should really be thinking about if they want to be able to implement a kind of learning and development model that's really going to generate strong results? So I think we need to start at kind of the most basic level here, I think. And and that's creating, again, an environment where uh, the organization can learn. So there is a really important uh, cultural element to that. And I think, uh, you know, one of those is creating psychological safety. Yeah. And and for people to feel, uh, you know, comfortable to test and where there is a safe space to, to learn from experiments, because in so doing, you create confidence uh, and you develop skill in, in how to learn. And I think that's a really important foundation to start from, uh, you know, before you start putting in place all bells and whistles of learning and development strategies. That's an absolutely critical starting point. Okay, fantastic. We're seeing as well that um, a lot of HR professionals are are keen to kind of move their businesses towards a more, you mentioned culture, but say coaching culture, which is 
supposed to be there to engage their employees more, empower their employees. And a lot of that kind of coaching culture involves a lot of facilitative learning. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit more about the importance from your perspective of human facilitation when it comes to both online and hybrid learning. I think facilitation in general is is something that we know from decades and decades of research, and I think we all can relate to the importance of the facilitator and and, uh, how that person, individual can create an environment where you can connect and engage successfully. So for learning outcomes, that's crucial. You know, if we look at it from an online and hybrid context, I think the uh, the point is the way in which we can deliver has changed, right? So we need to deliver more in a shorter period of time because people can't be in an online environment for the same period of time that you can in a face-to-face. And the complexity of being able to manage the engagement in an online and hybrid uh, world is higher. You have a shorter time frame to, to, to operate within and, and it becomes just that much more important to gain that connection with people around you and ensure that you're actually both keeping the, 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 the people engaged, but also progressing towards those learning goals. If anything, it's the human facilitation has become even more important in, in an online context. So what are some of the challenges then? If, if that's the real importance now, and we, we recognise this goes back thousands of years, we know it's it, it's it's a, it's a great way for people to learn. What are some of the challenges that people are faced at the minute? And what are some of the solutions that perhaps either Headspring are providing or people can provide within their own businesses to make sure that the environment and that they're creating for effective learning is available and, and, and possible? You know, if you look at some of the challenges that we face, I think we all know that businesses and 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 leaders uh, operate in a super fast changing environment right now we need to navigate all these external factors and pressures and i think that's become more challenging than 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 what leaders and organizations experienced before now in that it's i, I think really not not just aligning learning and development to the business strategy but actually putting it at the core It needs to be inextricably linked to what your business strategy is. And in so doing, it's it's about really designing uh, learning together with the strategy, creating the space for the people to learn. That's one of the challenges for people is to think about learning uh, really from the outset as when you uh, design the strategy of of the business. Sure. I think some of the things that... um... I come across in the world of work that I do in, in terms of HR recruitment, I deal with a lot of senior HR professionals and they're really passionate about trying to evolve the culture to be more, you know, question related and trying to get people to come up with their own responses, empowering their employees, building on engagement. And that's all great. As I say, working kind of towards this facilitative or, or coaching based culture within the businesses, coming away from the old school sort of command and control structures that used to exist. However, We often then hear that one of the biggest barriers that I'm seeing in the conversations I have, one of the obstacles I have to overcome is they want to move away from command and control, but actually time prevents it because they need, as you say, it's very rapidly moving. They need something to happen now. They'll turn around and go, right, just do this. And then that kind of flies in the face of what they're also trying to achieve from that coaching mindset, from that questionable mindset where they're getting the employees to come up with their own responses. I would see that's quite a major obstacle, particularly for those that are time crunched, particularly for those that need results in a, you know, a, a results orientated operation they may be functioning in. What would be your advice for someone in, in who wants to get 
from A to B, but is struggling when they need to make results now? That's a spot on observation. And I think that's that's an absolutely key question. I think that one piece of advice is uh, let go. <laughs> and, yeah. and actually, you know, again, uh, trust the power of the, the organization and the people, because at the, at the end of the day, I think when you start building peer-to-peer learning and uh, allowing your leaders for taking that more coaching approach, great things happen. You, you need to, of course, holistically think about how you can uh, develop that strategy throughout the organization and enable it. You can't go from one extreme to the next. Sure. So it's important to take first steps and really let the leaders of the organization gain confidence and gain skills in managing in that way and just allowing for learning to happen across the board. And if you were to surmise from your experience, you've got a wealth of experience in scaling learning businesses, you've got a, you know, an intricate understanding of how learning can be effective and how to make learning effective. What in your eyes would would be the the perfect leader? What would it look like, particularly for future leaders, I I guess? What skills would they have? What would their being be? How would would you, if you were to describe it potentially, what would it look like? That's such a good question. I I think the ideal leader, I think, is incredibly adaptive, adaptive to situations. And we know that, you know, you need to be able to to quickly adapt with all the changes uh, that are going on. I think profoundly human. So in this sense, again, coming back to to what we talked about earlier, I think the skills of empathy and empathetic understanding of others is, is absolutely crucial because what you do is basically listening and hearing what, uh, how your colleagues and, 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 you know, team members feel. And that inspires trust. And by inspiring trust, you will create a very positive environment and, you know, the results will come thereafter. So so I think that, you know, empathy and empathetic understanding is absolutely crucial. Curiosity is is another one of those really uh, magic powers of, of a leader. Inspiring curiosity in the organization. Again, it's super powerful because what you do is you start testing things, experimenting things, you listen, you ask questions, and the organization will learn faster. The organization will be more creative and innovation comes and a lot of great things will happen. So I think curiosity is absolutely fundamental. I do think that being led by purpose and and, and meaning is is another one of those things that will also help be a glue for the organization and help engage all audiences. Because when you take the purpose of the organization and you can align around something that is greater than just, you know, making profits and so forth, it's incredibly powerful. And it it comes down to some of the most deep human emotions. And that will uh, also, you know, inspire an organization to do what's necessary to do great things and to, to thrive. 
Amazing. I love that. I love some of the words you picked out on. They are so human in nature. You mentioned human a few times on this show, but you picked out their empathy. You talked about trust. You talked about curiosity, the very in- inherent human things that we can do to be great leaders. I couldn't agree more. I know that uh, Stephen Covey has been on the show. He's, he's, a, he's a keen listener of the show and he talks a lot about trust. And actually, if you haven't got that trust, it's very hard to be an effective leader and establishing that you can do through things like curiosity, through being empathetic and so on. I'd love to know, um, Gustav, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit so hopefully we can we can pick something out whether it's whether it's your experience at uh, Rosetta Stone whether it's a headspring or maybe it's someone you've worked with but I wondered if you could give the audience an example of where you've had you either yourself or someone you've worked with has had to show some of those qualities to take a business or a a problem from one place to another I don't know if you've got any case studies or examples in your own career which perhaps you can talk about where you've had to show some of those qualities to take a, a you know you scaled Rosetta Stone phenomenally that might be a good example um just just sort of bring some of that to life a little bit for the listeners because we hear a lot about the theory but less about the practice it'd be great if we can kind of I guess level that with some with some practical examples when I look back, I, I think I've seen and had the, the privilege of working with some incredibly inspiring leaders, if you will. And when I've found myself in situations where a business can be supremely challenged, it's an ability to come to, to rally an organization, a people around some of the core values that the organization stands behind when it comes to uh, moving beyond just, okay, uh, we need to make the profits. I've seen absolutely amazing things happen. And it's only when you can come down to a values, uh, the values of the organization, the values that the people stand for, that you can actually elevate people's performance. You know, in actually in all facets of, of, of business, not just HR and L&D, but one of the biggest things to overcome is that resistance to change. And you'll often find you're going to go through a major transformation. In HR at the minute, they're going through transformation programs related to diversity and inclusion, organisation and development, uh, recruitment, talent and retention. There's loads and loads of systems changes, loads of transformation happening. And every time you go through something like that, you know you're going to get, you know, come up against some challenge, some of those resistant to, to change the way that they do things. What I thought was quite interesting in your response was it sounds to me that one of the, the easiest ways to potentially for people listening to this to overcome those challenges is rather than kind of just say, well, we're doing it and that's what has been dictated from above. It's actually aligning it back to the values of the business and getting people on side with the values of what they're trying to achieve and then aligning those to the project. Would that would that be something that you've that you found when you've come across challenges or resistance? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think one has to have a very good sense of why we exist and what we're trying to achieve. And uh, you know, I know if if I haven't been able to communicate clearly with an organization, I know how difficult it is to get the organization to come along on that journey. I think that's why the 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 importance of actually painting that picture yeah. of helping people, you know, verbalize what our role is and our responsibility and and how their day jobs actually fit into that uh, overarching vision and purpose is just so incredibly powerful. So that, along with generally just giving people a sense of how their jobs are having an impact, living and seeing what impact they are having for not just one stakeholder, but, you know, 
uh, the clients they work for, yeah. society. I mean, I felt that very strongly when I was at Rosetta Stone, and I, I, we would see some incredible stories of people where they come from very challenged backgrounds and and just learning a language, learning English in a country like Brazil was game-changing for their ability to come out of challenging contexts and grow and achieve their dreams. And, you know, by elevating these stories of, of people that you touch, real stories, real, that's incredibly powerful uh, for a team to, to feel. And I think that, you know, when you elevate the purpose uh, of a company in that way, and, and if you have the, the values aligned to what that purpose ultimately is driving towards and where people can align to that, I think that you can move mountains. Yeah, I think you raised something that's really interesting for me. In some of the conversations, I have a lot of conversations about reward and recognition. And a lot of uh, HR managers or directors will say to me, you know, what what are you seeing other businesses do in terms of rewarding their staff, in terms of bonuses, in terms of X, Y, and Z? And and how can we keep people motivated and happy so that we retain them going forward? And the first thing I'll always say to all of them is this, and I think you've just highlighted it as well, but is that actually before you start looking at what's going to cost your business to to reward and say thank you, one of the the most powerful things you can do in your business is tell a story about what those individuals have achieved. Whether that's, say, a public announcement on LinkedIn to say this team has delivered X, Y, and Z project and it was a massive scale and well done, or whether it's an internal memo or internet site that says, want a big shout out to X, Y, and Z for this amazing project, for being on board. Actually reading a story about something you've been part of and the impact that has... I find gives you a much bigger and long-term endorphin rush and motivation than it would just getting a, a, a sometimes a financial reward that goes in your paycheck and, it, and it's it's lived relatively shortly in terms of how that impacts you from a motivational standpoint. And I don't think businesses that necessarily do that enough because there, there's a lack of understanding, I think, on how much those stories can really impact the individual behind it. Because that individual will probably share that story with their family. They'll copy and paste it, share it with their friends because they're proud of that achievement. And it really does build that level of engagement. And I think you you, know, you talked a lot about stories there and it really resonated with me because I think if we can build more of these stories about some of the amazing projects that people are part of, some of the amazing transitions that people are playing a role in, in achieving, I think actually that's one of the easiest ways to build easy you know good retention with your staff great motivation great value great buy-in all those things and actually a lot of those things don't necessarily cost anything it's just that storytelling that that value add that going back and saying hey that's a great job well done have you ever asked yourself how can any recruiter understand my hr recruitment challenges please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. Yeah, you know, that that is so true. And I think that what it comes down to is you come to the most basic human needs. One of them is uh, meaning. And yeah. when you touch on, you know, recognizing people or, or, or again, coming with the stories of 
how it has had an impact in some way you touch on uh, on 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 meaning but also belonging belonging to a team belonging to something where uh, again you know if it might be growing something or a success story again it's belonging so so i think the uh, there are some deep rooted human needs that you can address yeah. without just having those external or, or more superficial drivers of of recognition if you will so yeah so I know that obviously one of the things you're going to have to do a head spring is stay ahead of the curve. You know, learning is changing fast. The world of HR is changing fast. And we've seen it rapidly advance over the last two years, which we talked a little bit about. What can HR leaders do and L&D leaders do to make sure that they're, the way that they are introducing learning development strategies stay relevant going forward? Well, what's really important is to actively work with understanding what what their needs are. So, so I mean, in this sense, it's going through discovery, working with okay, what what is uh, what is the company goal? How are we going to set learning objectives and learning strategies to meet these company goals? So, so you need to do that. You need to understand the audience who's learning, you know, those personas, how they learn, how they are comfortable learning. So, you know, certain tools and and methodologies might be appropriate for one generation, but not another generation. And again, how do you deliver that in what is the context for this specific uh, organization? I mean, is it People come in five days a week and it's very heavy face-to-face or is it largely remote? And to balance the way that you deliver learning to how the organization is operating. So I think, you know, you need to come down to, okay, the context, understanding where the company is going and the people, how they're comfortable learning and so forth. That's a really important starting point. I think that makes absolute sense. And one thing we've you mentioned there, remote being one of those things we've really seen change, you know, post-pandemic. Now we've getting a lot more businesses going into almost complete sometimes virtual organization type models. For those that are following that pathway, and we've seen some some employers literally get rid of the office altogether and they're they're working with us to hire people across the whole of the UK. They've completely set up from home. What did those kind of businesses need to do or think about to ensure that their learning and development strategies succeed going forward? So I think focusing on learner experience is so important. And, and we, we talk a little bit about that with human facilitation. But, yeah. but I think more importantly, it's how do you ensure that uh, the, the learning that's designed is engaging and that you can connect people in a productive way with that learning? And, and I really think that thinking in a step which is, you know, moving away from kind of a linear online learning experience you know what we've what we've seen a lot of in the past couple of years is you basically take what you have done before and you put it on Microsoft Teams or Zoom or something like that and for the synchronous piece and then you might offer an organization a content library you have an LMS and LXP and and you have uh, certain kind of learner playlists if you will or curated uh, sets of uh, sets of learning and i think that the point here is it's not going to work in the same way as it did before. And right now you need to think about how do you engage people to continuously be learning? 
And here, relevance is super important in a way where, you know, relevance and, and less is more. You know, people feel very overwhelmed by this incredible access to a lot of content. Yeah. But curation becomes super important and relevance to what they're doing and, and to their own company context. And, and then I think, again, to focus on making the experience great and where kind of the live synchronous can meet the asynchronous and it becomes much more scalable. I think what people struggle with is uh, you can design learning for and have always designed learning for specific cohorts. But, but I think now you need to start thinking about the entire organization. You know, I think we see a lot of large enterprise and corporates who are, who are you know, thinking about how do I dress the entire middle managers in one go. So they experience learning and the same type of topics and themes that their senior leadership team or their the board is, is, is working on ultimately and kind of align what senior leadership is with middle managers and, 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 and kind of the whole organization so that everyone is going in, in the same direction. So I think finding a way to translate the smaller cohort based into learning that can touch much larger audiences is a really exciting both challenge and opportunity for organizations. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I'm going to just focus in on something that you mentioned there, which is relevancy, which I think is absolutely critically important. But I think it raises a bit of a challenge. I'd love to know your, your thoughts on this. So to make something relevant and you want, you've got a, the business objectives with the organization objectives that a business wants to achieve. So they'll say, for example, we want X, Y, and Z training to be, to be delivered in, a, in whatever format it might be, facilitating all the great things that, that we've talked about today, because we want to achieve objective Y. But if you, if you take that angle, it's not necessarily the people involved in that coaching and that, in that training they don't necessarily want to be involved in it because for whatever reason, maybe they don't think that's the training they want to be doing. So to keep it relevant, you, you've also got individuals that, that do want to, to learn in particular fields, perhaps that training isn't being offered. So when you think about a learning development pathway for an employee, how much of it do you think should come from the employee themselves and coming back to the management to say, this is the path I want to take. This is why I feel like I'm short. This is what I'm passionate about wanting to learn. And how much of it should come from the organization that actually wants to achieve specific objectives that says, this is what I want you to learn. This is what I want you to be. This is what I want you to become. I don't know how that, how that breaks down. But yeah, you know, you know that, that, that's an excellent question. And I think it's, <laughs> in short, both of the above. Okay. Because, you know, what we know to be true is, the employee, uh, the person who, who's a consumer of the learning, if you will, it needs to be tailored to that person. So to a certain extent, there needs to be the whole notion of self-paced uh, learning and where, where you can decide on, on, on some of the learning journeys that you that you go on. I think I think it's important to have that. But it's also crucial for kind of a central uh, direction of you know, here's the company strategy, and here are certain objectives that we that we need to achieve. And in that, in doing so, we need to just develop uh, skills around this area. And consequently, there needs to be that alignment. So both a top-down or, 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 or directed uh, learning approach, but also, so also bottoms up. And, and in this instance, I think that 
you know, it becomes quite exciting with with even kind of peer to peer created learning content, because you know, if a certain employee thinks one area is specifically important and interesting, you know, there are going to be other people who 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 find the same thing, and then you start creating in an organization uh, smaller nuggets of content, and it becomes a quicker path to a learning organization. Yeah, and no, I love that. I think you're absolutely right as well. I think that's a good way of answering the question as well, because I think it is a challenge that people have. I think you've covered that really well. Now, we know that um, Headspring Executive, I mentioned in the introduction, is a joint venture between the Financial Times and the IE Business School. It's founded on the principle that executive development needs to be collaborative, relevant, and measurable. I'd love to know a little bit more about some of the findings you've discovered since you've started this, this joint venture and some of the learnings that you've actually discovered as a result of the joint venture as you look to approach uh, the the executives that you're working with to deliver more effective coaching going forward? So I guess one of the foundations, as you mentioned, that we were founded on was, you know, to make executive education and learning and development more relevant. I think that kind of the importance of having both cutting edge content and, and knowledge, what's going on right now is super important because again, it just makes it more fresh and, and relevant and companies we work with, they really value, uh, you know, our ability to work with a lot of what comes from the financial times and the content the journalists can bring. Another really interesting step, and it kind of ties to the point of curiosity, but it's the journalistic approach and kind of the ability to quickly consume a lot of, uh, you know, content and, and, and distill what the key questions are. And the ability to ask really good, powerful questions and how asking questions can help you find the other questions that you need to answer and so forth. So, I think, again, it's moving from taking knowledge as a given, but actually uh, helping to kind of critically challenge the assumptions that you're working under today and doing that by asking questions and challenging the assumptions on an ongoing basis. So, so I, we found that, you know, that's an incredibly powerful skill and a very important mechanism in, in the way that we work with our partners. And what they really enjoy is, is oftentimes just being challenged about what might be, you know, assumptions for how they're looking to grow or assumptions in their strategy to, to lead in sustainability or, or what it might be. But the critically challenging those assumptions is, is really powerful. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think, again, we talked a lot about relevancy today, but you you want to make it relevant for the future of learning. So if I was to reverse engineer the question a little bit, what are some of the things that you've decided then to, for want of a better word, and it's maybe the wrong word to use, disregard in terms of how people were we're approaching L&D in the past. And what are the things that you're doing now that you've actually said, you know what, this didn't work before. The way we're doing it now to make it absolutely relevant to the to the people that you're working with. And as we talk about the, the instant reports coming in with real-time information, all that kind of stuff. What are the things that you've actually decided to leave behind that perhaps that we are quite familiar with in, in, in learning journeys that you think is no longer potentially relevant in order to make the new way of learning more. Yeah, we really double down on customizing and, and putting disproportionate time and actually understanding and triangulating what the key needs are. 
there is an abundance of content out there and there's yeah. much, a lot of great content and, and that, that might be appropriate for, for one company. But in this case, you know, less is more and, and the importance of really tailoring to the need of uh, the organization, the team, the cohort, what, what, whatever it might be. So kind of disregard a one size fits yeah. all. That's one key element. I think another one is, again, the experience. And, and what we have really, I guess, doubled down on, and it, it kind of ties into the point of content. And and But it's quickly getting into action-led learning. Uh, we do a lot of what we call virtual labs and, and, and so forth, but getting people to solve problems together quickly. And that's something that's disregarding the amount of time that you need to listen to and consume knowledge, if you will, to coming into a much more creation action-led environment is absolutely fundamental. Fantastic. I know certainly from my perspective, not saying it's curry favor for me, Gustav, but certainly experiential, bespoke, creative, action-led learning is exactly how I would want to learn. So that makes absolute sense to me. And I'm sure people listening to this will be nodding their heads in agreement as well in terms of what would motivate them to follow a learning pathway as well. So my last question before we open the LND Bolt is this. What are your views on learning for the future versus the future of learning? For me, there are a couple, I guess, giga themes, if you will. And one of them is the, the notion of, of metacognition, awareness of how we learn or kind of learning to learn. And I think this is something that oftentimes maybe we, we don't think enough about, but now we're seeing a confluence between neuroscience and learning science and how powerful it is to really prepare people for being in their you know most receptive to learning so i think metacognition is really when you think about learning for the future i think it's learning how to learn being able to not just kind of learn but unlearn what you know from before yeah. and relearn and these loops of learning unlearning relearning are just so important because what you see is these, you know, with, with the half-life of skills just getting shorter and shorter and shorter, you need to get more and more comfortable with just learning all the time. So I think metacognition becomes super important. And if I then take the second part of your question, which is the future of learning, I think it's really moving to an experience-led learning philosophy and learning approach, if you will. It's moving away from the cookie cutter uh, kind of knowledge transfer to much more of, you know, creating these immersive learning experiences. You know, there, there are so many examples of, of just how powerful it is when you create the right experience and people just, and you'll remember this and you'll engage with that experience and you will learn. And I think one of the many exciting technologies that are out there, and I think, you know, the metaverse creates incredible opportunity in creating an immersive experience. We developed, a, 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 you know, a couple of years ago, uh, a, a virtual reality game called Earth to Mars, where we, it was is a serious game where we developed something that was uh, intended to help leaders lead in uncertainty and, 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 and develop certain skills. And it was an incredibly powerful experience. 
I mean, I don't know how much you've uh, dabbled in virtual reality or tried. Yeah, fair uh, bit, fair bit. Of, yeah, and, and, and I have to say, I mean, it's incredibly powerful because it's so immersive. It is. And when you experience that, you are 100% focused on task at hand. And you immediately come into a state of flow when you are learning. And that is when great things happen. So so I see a lot of exciting things happening with technology that can create this really powerful learning experiences and where you're not limited to just a small number of people, but where you can get people in the in the thousands to be learning in a really cool experience no, uh, i love that I'm, I'm definitely a virtual reality uh, convert i love it it's so immersive and you can't catch it out as much as you, as much as i might try which is great you know you turn your head quickly and it's still there but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah i think yeah. it's it is an experience and it is a way that, that really does build total engagement and i think you know any all the things you've mentioned there which is moving away from the four and a half hour solid sessions in a classroom with a textbook that gives you the answers in front of you and you you know you're all done by after the first hour and everyone's waiting for the first break i mean if we move away from those sessions which aren't bespoke either most of the time into that experiential world of creativity of asking questions of of making it bespoke and relevant i think is a, it's a really exciting future that hopefully everyone listening to this in the world of hnd can really be excited about being a part of because it's yeah, I think that what we can achieve through that kind of learning process, I think, is is phenomenal. And thank you so much for bringing it to light today on uh, on today's show. I'm going to open um, the HR and D Vault, Gustav. So we've got three short, sharp questions for you here. Opening the L and D Vault. With all the experience you've gained today, in hindsight, what is the one thing you now know that you wish you'd known when you began your career? Be open to learn all the time. <laughs> Perfect. If you could give one piece of advice to the world, what would it be? I think it'd be to follow your passion, but not just your passion, but also do what you are good at, where there's a need in the world and where you can translate that to something really positive. Perfect. And last but not least, you've talked a lot about this on today's show. Uh, what is the guiding principle or behavior you've seen in every great leader? And I know you've worked with many that you've worked with. Being able to serve a greater purpose and to communicate that purpose in a clear way to the organization. Amazing. Fantastic. Well, Gustav Nordback, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today's HLND podcast. Of course, for those listening to this, if you want to find out more about the work he's involved in, please do go to headspringexecutive.com. I will put a link in the show notes. You can go straight to the show notes to, to find your way through. But I want to bring this to life as well. Just go to the website, even if you, you don't think you need to, because I'll tell you what, this site offers so much. It gives you insights. They've got their own podcast called Learning Rewired. It's a fantastic podcast that covers everything really across the, the whole bandwidth of HR and L&D uh, parameters here from the EDI through to interactive learning to the world of digital. So do take a look at that podcast as well. There's webinars on there. There's case studies. There's also an on-purpose newsletter, which you can sign up for to find out all about the world of learning as it develops. Uh, and there's some L&D research to take part of. So do take a look at that website. It's fantastic. Loads and loads for you guys to, to take away. Um, and also I will put a link to Gustav's uh, LinkedIn profile as well. So for those that do want to connect to find out more please have a look again in the show notes you can find a link to that profile as well just even say a huge thank you once more to gustav nordback for joining me today and of course if you are an hr or lnd expert listening to this show and you need support with any recruitment requirements then please do get in touch with either myself or any of my wonderful colleagues here at jgarecruitment.com just even say a 
huge thank you to listening again today. And I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the HR L&D podcast real soon. Thank you ever so much. Thanks, Gustav. Thank you, Nick. Thank you so much for tuning into the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO of JGA Recruitment Specialist HR Recruiters. If you need any help with the current HR or L&D vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favourite podcast channels. Till next time.